everyone. My name is Kat Savage and I'm a professional artist, clinical hypnotherapist and well-being expert working with those in the creative arts sector. In my line of work, I get to meet some amazing, colourful people from actors to artists, people who live their lives by their own rules, fueled by passion and determination to bring their unique talents into the world. I wanted to discover what it took for people to leave the usual nine to five and hop on a dream, to capture their bravest moments and share these meaningful conversations with you so that together we can explore the ideas, emotions and moments that could potentially change our lives too. So let's keep talking, have some fun and enjoy the show. This week on the show, we speak to the founder of Coastal Curiosities GB, Sophie Wright. Sophie is an eco-artist and creative writer who spends her days beachcombing for fossils, bones, shells, sea glass and other natural items to create her beautiful framed collections. She also creates wonderful jewellery, inks intricate art depicting what she finds and writes poetry about her experiences to boot. Living in a converted van with her partner, Sophie is free to travel the southwest coastline at will to find her treasure and deliver it online through her shop front on Etsy. It is with great pleasure that I introduce you to this wonder and curiosity curator, Sophie Wright. Sophie Wright from Coastal Curiosities GB. Welcome to the show. Hello. (laughs) Hello. How are you on this gorgeous sunny day? Yeah, I'm really good. Um, Had a pretty chill morning, been quite excited to come on. So yeah, I'm feeling really positive. (laughs) Oh, that's really cool. How are you feeling like coming out of lockdown now and sort of seeing the world open back up again? Are you excited? What's going through your mind? What's the first thing you're going to (laughs) do? Yeah, I'm really excited. Um, I think over lockdown, though, I've become a complete hermit, really. Um, So I've kind of got (laughs) used to not being out and about, um, but just little things like going for a cup of hot chocolate after a walk um, and to the pub, really, is what I'm excited to do. (laughs) (laughs) So how have you been keeping yourself busy through your lockdown? Well. In August is when I kind of started up my little business. So that has been taken up the majority of my time, really. Um, And it's kind of given me a focus and something to get up for every morning. Um, So I've mostly been kind of completely delving into the whole world of beachcombing on my local beach and making things when I get home. I'm so excited to hear all about that and we'll definitely be talking quite a lot about that in the interview but for now I'm going to take you back to your childhood and what I'd like to know is what were you like as a child and what is one of your favourite memories from that time? So when I was younger, I was incredibly shy, everyone says. (laughs) Mum says I used to stand there whenever anyone spoke to me, like chewing my hair. (laughs) I was that that nervous. (laughs) Um, So I've always been kind of shy, but um, very outdoorsy. And I think all of my favourite memories as a child happened outside. We had um, this really 
beautiful garden that was kind of a mess really but very wild and so we me and my little sister were just constantly outside rain or shine you know cold or warm dressed up and just digging in the garden (laughs) that sounds so idyllic and, and it reminds me a little bit of my garden right now which is definitely a wild wild garden but I know that you know there's so much that um well, other people might consider it wild, but I actually consider it like food, like free food. Yes, and I know you feel quite quite the same, don't you, about nature? Like there is so much treasure um, that is another man's sort of rubbish when it comes to nature. So that's a really lovely way to, to kick off the show. And, you know, I've had the great privilege of watching you grow up a little bit mm-hmm. um, and delve into your creativity, be it with music or art or poetry or photography. You're such a multi-talented woman and it's a real like it's it's such a pleasure to just hear a little bit about the the girl before I met her if that makes any sense Aww. so when you're out in this garden uh, digging with your sister in, in the wild parts what smell reminds you of your home and what does it evoke in your memories I think it would have to be um the smell of soil to be honest because Uh, my mum was always gardening and my dad was also kind of trying to tame this really large area of land it was all hilly covered in bramble so there was always some kind of digging um, or leveling going on (laughs) and what was great was because obviously lots of people had lived there before us every time we dug we'd uncover something from the past. So I kind of ended up having a box full of coins or shards of pottery or nails. And yeah, I think that's my happiest memory. And also the smell that really makes me think of home, just the earth, I think. I imagine, I'm imagining that smell now. And the only way I I can sort of equate it in my brain is when it rains and the smell Mm. of the soil comes up through your nostrils. And I'm, that's how I'm imagining your childhood smell to be. Yeah. Just wafting around. Yeah. And kind of leaf mulch and things like rotting very much that I think. Oh, I love it. So was your childhood room just full of eclectic pieces of the past? Uh, Can you remember your favourite thing in it? Yeah, um, very much along those lines. I've always kept things. But I think my favourite thing in the room was a chocolate tin that was full of fossils and crystals, um, which I would always (laughs) collect. Uh, I loved car boot sales and secondhand shops when I was little and I'd always be hunting. So yeah, I had a kind of box of my most treasured things. um, And yeah, which all were from the past, really. So as you were growing up in this incredibly creative, organic, raw environment, were you aware that you were a creative person or did someone in your family or or friends or whatever encourage you to sort of pursue creativity? Mm. I think all children are just naturally inquisitive and creative, but kind of, I think I've always been told that I am as well and always been encouraged Uh, both by my parents and the lovely primary school I went to. So I think as I grew and went through the kind of school system, I have always been told that I am. So it's kind of uh, validated Mm. it in my head, yeah. It's really interesting because when I came into your life, 
you were starting to explore your creative nature through music. And I can remember just listening to your voice and thinking, oh my God, it's like an angel is singing Aww. at me. <laughs> when you when you were a teenager and you suddenly became sort of like self-aware, mm. how did that affect your creativity? Did you suddenly become more shy about it or did it sort of bring you uh, sort of a therapy, if you like, to deal with those teenage years? Because I know those years can be very turbulent, can't they? I think it did it did give me confidence actually when not much else did and Mm. I think it's funny because you know when you met me I remember I used to I was in double geography every time I used to come um to singing lessons with you and I would be (laughs) like almost in tears because I had to put my hand up and say oh can I be excused but then I would happily stand on a stage and sing in front of people without any fear. It's so funny, the things that I used to, you know, and still do get nervous about. But yeah, it really brought me out of myself and it was lovely. I'm glad that your creativity was a haven as opposed to a chore, because sometimes it can be sort of put upon you, can't it, as a pressure from your parents. But that you found your way and your sort of like empowerment through that as a teenager is really good to hear. (laughs) I'm glad I didn't traumatise you too much. Oh, not at all. It was great. (laughs) So here you are in your teenage years, very, very highly creative. But, you know, obviously being your uh, singing teacher from the past, (laughs) what music did you listen to? And who were your inspirations at that time and why? Um, I listened to a lot of kind of folky music. I found Johnny Flynn and still absolutely love him to this day and (laughs) kind of Laura Marling, things like that. Um, I think what I realised is although I love singing and it makes me really happy, I appreciated any music that had kind of poetic lyrics, anything like that. And just, uh, of inspirations were were those musicians really I think that were kind of turning those words like such powerful words into beautiful things I really loved that it's really nice to hear that teenage you was so appreciative of the lyrical factor of a song because you know that every generation has its own sort of style of of song and style of presenting that song. But I almost feel like you have to sort of hunt through the songs in the charts now to find the ones with great lyrical contents um, or they're sort of in like mm. the subgenres, or they're not sort of in the public eye, which, which kind of makes it a bit more special because you feel like you're finding a secret every time you stumble on someone like that. But equally, I do feel like sometimes now, um, especially when I'm sort of coaching younger people, when, when we talk about lyrics, it seems to be the secondary factor in music these days in terms of people are more sort of drawn to the beats and the and the sounds as opposed to what's actually being sung about. And it always surprises me when I say, oh, what's the song about? What does it mean to you? And, and people turn around and go, oh, I don't know. I just like yeah. it. <laughs> so I'm glad that, you know, you recognise that at such a young age and obviously it made a massive impression on you, on you uh, later on in your life. Um, so how would you have described your style back then? Like what what did you wear? Who were your inspirations in that department? Who did you look up to and go, wow, you're, you've just got it all together? <laughs> I dressed kind of um, a bit hippie-ish, I guess. I, even in primary <laughs> school, uh, harems and kind of baggy t-shirts um I remember 
uh, Mufty Day at secondary school, uh, this boy calling me Druid Girl because I looked (laughs) (laughs) a little bit different to everyone else. But I really loved it and I loved expressing my style for my clothes. And uh, I think the kind of 60s really influenced my style. I used to love looking at like old photographs from back then and kind of everyone at the festivals and things. And yeah, I think that's kind of where I picked it up from. I'm seeing you as sort of like um, a double-edged sword. On one side, you have this sort of shy factor, especially around guys and stuff like that. And on this other side, this super expressive and original creative part that that love to express itself, especially in public. Um, But I'm really curious about this shy side, especially when it comes to relationships. So can you remember your first love and what impression did they leave on you about love itself? And what have you learned since? I think... I think being a shy kind of young girl was difficult. Um, I've never been very good at talking to guys, uh, flirting or even realising when anyone's flirting with me. But I weirdly, though, have always had like little boyfriends ever from like primary school. And in (laughs) secondary school, I kind of had my first boyfriend and He wasn't very nice, unfortunately. And I think being a kind of sensitive, shy person, you can easily be kind of in a situation where you're taken advantage of. So my first experience of love wasn't a very nice one at all. Uh, And I think that stuck with me for quite a while. But I think now, after being with my current partner for a year and a half, I've realised that you shouldn't have to try, you know, to be anyone that you're not. And if someone really loves you, they'll kind of build up your confidence rather than destroy it and make you kind of uh, dependent on them. So I think I've really learned that, yeah, love should be something that makes you feel safe. That's a really good thing to say. And I can remember my first love and I had a very similar experience to you in in the fact that he was quite abusive. He wasn't like uh, outwardly nasty. He was very, very charming on the outside, Mm. but behind closed doors, he was just not a very nice guy. And that left a lasting impression on me, especially when I was going into other relationships of sort of mistrust, which was a real shame. And then when I met Tim, lovely Tim, (laughs) shout out Tim, my husband, um, he he literally retaught me how to love. And that sentence that you've just said it is like true love is a space where you feel you can expand personally but also where you feel safe and you feel held and supported um so it's nice to hear that from another woman and that you've you've managed to learn that lesson so young as well because some people don't learn that lesson until they're sort of in their 40s or 50s so after you left school like what happened next how did you channel all of this creative energy that you had inside of you well I left it behind slightly um, when I got a job at nursery. But I guess you could say that planning activities and doing things with the kids are creative in itself. But I also mm-hmm. continued to write little things in my spare time. So if I ever kind of had a bubble up of emotions, I would write a poem about it. And that was my way of 
getting it down. So you were working in a nursery, you were writing down uh, how you were feeling in in poetic form, which I think is a great way to just express how you're sort of dealing with your life. Uh, and then you chose to go to university. What did you study at university and how did you find that experience? I studied creative writing um, and the experience was brilliant, but completely unexpected. I hadn't intended to go to uni. Although I have always written poetry, it wasn't something I thought I was ever going to pursue. It was very much a last minute decision. I broke up with my boyfriend at the start of summer, um, applied in midsummer, and got accepted by the end of summer. So it was, yeah, quite kind of <laughs> random, but I'm so glad I did it. It was great. What did you learn on that course that you like? Because I can imagine, yeah, you know, from someone that hasn't done a creative writing course but is a creative writer, what is it that you learn about yourself and your writing in that environment that you would not otherwise know? I think the one thing that I really loved about it was actually reading other people's writing and how important it is to be consistently reading to inspire your own work. And if, yeah, if you're not kind of challenging yourself in what you're reading or delving into, you know, different genres or authors you wouldn't normally pick up, you, you're not challenging yourself and, you know, you're not broadening your own writing. So, yeah, and I know now that it's really important to be reading other poets, for example, if I if I want to write poetry. That comes up a lot, actually. Um, all the authors and people that I've spoken to that are creative writers, they've always said the best thing you can do is read. Like literally, that's the best thing you can do because you do get to see how other people do it and especially those that are very, very skilled at their craft. And it also gives you sort of a bit more awareness of your own writing, doesn't it? In the fact that you can compare it and challenge yourself and find your own voice in amongst all of those other voices. Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes you can have an idea or, you know, of what you want to say or say the way you want to lay out a poem and then you see it done, you know, somewhere else and you think, oh, that's what, what I've been trying to say or that's that's how my poem kind of needs to be laid out in a similar way. Like I remember um, before I went to uni, every poem I wrote uh, was in, you know, four line stanzas and the end of each line <laughs> rhymed and it was all so structured. And then all of a sudden I was reading poems with no punctuation or you know, where one half of the poem was on the other side of the page. And it's like the possibilities just open up and you'll think, oh, that like, yeah, that adds space and that adds, you know, airiness to what I'm trying to say. And it's just really, it's really cool. I can't wait for you to read a poem <laughs> for us later. It's going to be super exciting for me. <laughs> so I know that you, you have a very unique living situation, <laughs> don't you? And how has that sort of played into what you do now? Yeah, so uh, I live in a van, <laughs> which is slightly different, I suppose. <laughs> um, but it does mean that my living costs are down, um, which means that I I don't have to make as much money. I don't have to have a full-time job. Um, and it's, yeah, given me the time and kind of uh, opportunity to actually not work for the first time and have time to do creative things. 
What did your parents say when you said, um, hi guys, I'm going to live in a van. Bye. <laughs> they were weirdly fine with it. I don't know. Like, they're so understanding, actually. Um, I think they've always been so open about their own regrets in life. And uh, dad's kind of jumped on the property market thing. He's a carpenter, so he's always done up houses and made money that way. Um, And I think now he looks back and he thinks, oh, like I've missed out on so much time just kind of focusing on making money and like the next big thing and stuff like that. So they've always encouraged me and my sister to do what makes us happy. So what are the perks of living in a van? And I'm really curious as to to know what can you see from outside your window? (laughs) Um, Well, from outside my window, uh, I can see these big glass greenhouses because at the moment we are parked up on uh, some land which used to be an old nursery um, who supplied the Eden Project and things. I've got this gorgeous view of these quite impressive glass houses from my van right now. And does that change from like week to week then? Are you just like, right, we just want to live by the sea today. So let's pop down to the sea or do you sort of park up for like long periods of time? Uh, This is the first time we have parked up. Um, So before that, yeah, it was very much lots of different sea views. We've also got some friends parked up here. So it's a nice little kind of community at the moment. Was it you or your partner that first decided to look at van life? Yeah, well... I was interested in it because I did a module at uni um, about uh, indie magazines and I found one called the Rolling Home Mag and it was just so beautiful and I just fell in love with the idea of living in a van and being free and being close to nature and everything and then it just so happened that I met Jake at a festival and he was like oh I'm converting this van And I was like, oh, that's cool. (laughs) So, yeah, I kind of fell into it, really. (laughs) I love that. And I love like the synchronicity of you doing that module at uni and then just suddenly finding some guy that was already conversing a van. It was almost like destiny brought you together. (laughs) Yeah, completely. (laughs) So when you're in that space together, what do you have to be mindful of when you're living in that way? And, And what do you have to do to sort of compromise with each other? Oh, being tidy is such a big thing and I'm so bad at it. It's unreal. Jake cannot deal with it at all. (laughs) So I have to try extremely hard to be tidy. Um, I'm just oblivious. I think I get it from my dad. Like, I just, yeah, I don't even notice the mess. I just happily live in it. But I need to be very mindful of leaving mess and putting things away because Jake is a total clean freak opposite to me. So... Yeah, that's an important thing. (laughs) Sounds very similar to the living situation here. And I don't know whether or not that's just a a creative woman's brain in general. Yeah, let's say that. that I've spoken to. Yeah, let's just go with that. (laughs) Blame it on that. Um, Yeah, we're all sort of like in our own chaos, but it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Your chaos. It's like organised chaos. (laughs) (laughs) Completely. It's where I feel at home. But big shout out to... (laughs) Shout out to Jake for having to deal with it. Bless him. Um, (laughs) So how has this van life brought you closer together as a couple? Because I'm always intrigued by couples that live in a small space together. Yeah, me and Jake uh, are really good at spending time together, to be honest. Um, You know, Mm. we'll get up, have coffee, spend all day together. Like, I don't know. And it's kind of fine. But uh, it's brought us closer because... 
I think when you have less things and less possessions and less space, you really appreciate the things that you do have. And I think it really makes you realise how much each other matter. So kind of when it's a really cold, miserable night and, you know, you've got your partner warm to cuddle in bed, you just feel very, very lucky. And I think it's those kind of back to the basic moments in nature and in this small space that, yeah, bring you closer. Oh, I want to live in a van. <laughs> it sounds so idyllic. <laughs> it sounds is the key word there. <laughs> yeah, it sounds. Yeah. So talking about this business that you've started for yourself. So you've, you've left the working life. You've left the rat race, darling. <laughs> and, uh, and you've started up Coastal Curiosities. How did that idea come to be? And when was that sort of born in your brain? When did you think, oh my God, yes, this is what I can do? Well, I'm always thinking up ideas all the time. So it it was just another little idea. Oh, I might start an Etsy shop and like sell some. It was originally going to be kind of secondhand things that I found relating to the sea, you know, fossils, the kind of things that I would naturally collect anyway. And it was, Mm. yeah, just another idea. And Jake's very good at making my ideas happen. He was like, right, okay, well, let's set you up an Etsy shop then. And I was like, oh, okay, (laughs) all right then. And he kind of made, pushed me to do it. And I thought, oh, I could incorporate my art into this a bit maybe and be a bit creative. So yeah, that's kind of how the idea started. It's so beautiful as well. I was looking on your Etsy shop this morning just to get a bit more of a feel for all of the stuff that you've done. And it's so beautiful. The way you lay things out, it's almost like a curiosity shop. Like each um, piece that you've done, uh, especially like your sort of glass contained pieces with all the little fossils and shells in it. It's like a little sweet shop. I'm just looking at them going, oh my God, I just want to eat it. It looks so tempting. (laughs) But you don't just do the, you know, setting up the shells and, and the fossils and things like that. You also illustrate, you also write. It's a real sort of like pot of your creativity. So I have to ask, like, which which thing are you drawn to most? Like, which part of your creativity feels like home to you? At the moment with the shop, I think I am most drawn to the artistic kind of arrangement of everything in the frames. But I completely agree with what you mean. And uh, I think in the future, I really want to incorporate my writing into it more. So that's kind of where I'm heading next. I'm I'm wagging my finger at you going, please, Sophie, please (laughs) do it, do it, do it. (laughs) So when you're collecting for these, I don't want to call them pictures. What do you call them? Collections? Yeah, yeah, that works. Yeah, totally. So when you're working with a collection, do you go out onto the beach with a certain idea in mind of how it's going to be laid out beforehand, or is it just a case of sort of intuitively picking things out and arranging them? As I'm walking along, things kind of jump out at me, and I can kind of hold them in my hands and imagine them all coming together. But I think with every frame, it's just trying to recreate what I'm seeing as I'm walking along the strand line. Uh, So sometimes there will be like colour themes that just happen to uh, just arrange themselves as I'm kind of doing it. But yeah, it's, it's a bit more random than that, really. That must be so much fun when you're putting it all together, just being able to create that symmetry and that pattern from what you've collected. (laughs) It is. It's lovely. How long long does each piece take you to create? 
Well, when I do the large kind of frames, I can spend a whole day doing it. Uh, so yeah, it's quite time consuming, but my head is just in the happiest space while I'm doing it and it really doesn't feel like work to me. So I'm happy to put my time into it. <laughs> and you do seem to sort of like name all the shells and you name the fossils and things like that. Have you had to sort of educate yourself on your shoreline? Yeah, completely. Um, I use a couple of handbooks that really help and a lot of references on websites. But yeah, like little things that have always been there that I've kind of overlooked. You know, now I know what they're called and kind of what lives inside and what they get up to on a day-to-day basis. And I'm a lot more in tune with what is naturally there and kind of how it changes over the seasons. So when you're putting these pieces together... What is it that you're trying to show people in your work? What what do you hope they can see that you can see? I think just the beauty of nature. I I don't really feel like I need anything else to decorate my space. It's always been decorated by things that I found. And I find it really hard to part with particular things that I find. But knowing that they're going to someone who appreciates it as much as I do makes it all worth it, I think. When was that moment where you thought to yourself, actually, I could do this for a living. You know, this this might be my calling. When was that moment for you? Probably when I sold my first thing, which actually was just a, a little pottery necklace that I'd kind of found, uh, the piece of pottery, and yeah, turned it into a little necklace. But I think up until that point, it's just, oh yeah, well, you know, Jake's made me set up the shop, but no one's actually going to buy anything. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you know, you've had a sale. And it's like, oh my God, (laughs) people actually want to buy the things I'm putting out there. (laughs) Was that really surprising to you? Because I know that obviously you've, you've started this really through the lockdown, haven't you? So when that first sale came through in that space where people weren't spending so much money, how did it make you feel inside? Did you sort of jump around in the van? And I can imagine Jay going, stop jumping. Or or were you just like, yeah, that just happened. I couldn't (laughs) believe it. Yeah. Um, it was the first thing I'd put up and I sold it within a day, which obviously isn't how it normally goes. But I suddenly thought like, shit (laughs) like yeah this is real I can do this and I was so excited and every time I sell something you know now I'm I'm 50 sales plus at the moment and I'm still just as excited and I think every little small business owner feels exactly the same when they make a sale it's just brilliant can you imagine like yourself carrying on with this in the future can you see it as sort of like a long-term way of life Yeah, I've got repeat customers, which is great. Um, And I'm starting to do commission pieces now. So it's, yeah, the customer base is building. And as I said, there's so many ideas on how I want to expand it. You know, I'd love to have a blog and kind of write a bit more in depth about my experience, um, beachcombing and all of the kind of items I find so that people can learn more about like the local life on their shoreline. I'd love to do that. It would be so educational for people. And also you have to mention your van life because I'm just curious about that naturally, just because (laughs) your van is stunning. Oh my God. It looks so boho and (laughs) so like shabby chic in in the best like sort of like London Chelsea type of way. It's really, really cool. So what have been some of the challenges that you've had to face starting your own business, living in the van, keeping all the space? Like what have been some of the big challenges that you've come across I think the confidence to do it is the biggest challenge and fighting self-doubt. 
um, you know, I've just always been my own worst enemy, really. Uh, so kind of fighting against that and pushing through it, even when, you know, there's the voice inside my head saying, well, no one's going to buy it. So what's the point? Or, you know, <laughs> you know, all oh, right, you'll live in the van for a week and then you move back in with mum and dad. You know, it's kind of like saying, no, come on, like push through it, do it. Um, and I'm so glad I have. But yeah, that's I'm my own challenge, I think, really. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true struggling artist. <laughs> <laughs> so living in the van, doing what you do, do you feel you've had to sacrifice anything to be where you are now? I I think you have to sacrifice luxuries is one of the things um, that actually was so much harder than I thought it was going to be. You know, when you wake up after the fourth day of not having a shower and it's really cold and you run out of power from because it's not sunny and you want to just charge the laptop. And it's like all of the little luxuries and comforts that you don't even think about. And they kind of build up and then, oh, God, it is hard. It's Yeah, I think that's one of the hardest things I've had to let go of, the comfort of a warm shower and central heating and just all of those things that you take for granted, really. And in its place, what have you found? I think you learn more about yourself. You kind of have to push through these little things like, oh, I I look so gross, you know. And it's like, no, you don't. (laughs) Like, just put your hair up and get on with your day. And it kind of makes you a bit less you know sensitive about it and worried about things like how you look you know we've got this tiny mirror in the van and I barely look in it and I think it's made space for things that are more important to me you know instead of thinking oh I need to do my makeup and everything and have this really long morning routine it's like well I'm just gonna put my hair up and go for a walk and that's how I'm gonna start my morning Uh, so it's kind of made space to be closer to myself and closer to nature as well. It sounds so liberating and I know it, it must be a lot harder than, you know, you're you're used to it now, I suppose, so you've found that rhythm. But it does sound so liberating not to have to look in a mirror every day and worry about those sort of superficial things. What do you consider now to be a luxury? I'm really intrigued. Oh, um, showers are still such a luxury. When I, you know, stay over at anyone's <laughs> house, it's like, oh God, yeah, shower. I think food is a big one. We've got a double hob and hob, and that's it. No oven, uh, no grill. So one pot dishes um, and fried rice is basically what we live off. So going in and eating out or going in and being able to have like pizza or oven food, chips, fish fingers, all of that is great. <laughs> Next time I see you, I know exactly what I'm going to bring to you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> So in amongst all of this, which sounds like a pretty big, brave moment to me anyway, what do you consider to be your bravest moment, whether that be something physical, mental or spiritual? I think it probably would have to be the first night in the van. I worry so much about what people think of me um, and... It was so scary because we wild camped, you know, as you do when you live in a van. And it was like, oh, God, you know, people, people are going to think, oh, what are they doing here? And, you know, they shouldn't be here. And oh, it was really, really scary feeling like, oh, no, I don't I don't belong. We're doing something wrong, you know. But when you think about Mm. it, there's these people, these, 
you know, massive houses, you know, in the warm and you're just, you might be blocking their view ever so slightly, but they've got a lot more than you. So I don't think they need to worry about it. <laughs> it's really interesting to see, to, to hear you say that you're more worried about what other people think than you are about your own sort of situation. That's so you <laughs> and so generous. <laughs> it is very me. <laughs> I can't, it must be quite complex trying to like figure out where you do park up and stuff and the legalities of where that is. And, but I suppose like on the other hand, because you can move your vehicle at any point, you kind of have that liberation as well. Oh yeah. Once you get past the first couple of nights, you just kind of stop worrying about it. Like you just think it's fine. As long as you are sensible and, you know, considerate and park away from kind of uh, built up areas and acquire, you know, no one really minds. (laughs) what advice would you give to other people thinking about the van life definitely do it and push through the worry um because I struggled at first it took me a while to transition you know I used to get so stroppy about yeah not showering and this and that but it it does it teaches you so much and yeah makes you appreciate things in life so much more Okay, so you're here in this van, you're creating all of these incredible things and you, you must have found that moment where you were like, right, okay, I'm just going to go for it. And that was sort of helped along by Jake. Mm-hmm. Um, but what advice can you give to those people that have that kind of call to creativity or to art, but are maybe too scared to take the plunge? Do it for yourself. That's what's important. Even if you do it in secret, even if you do it in the half an hour, you know, on in your lunch break and you don't want to tell anyone about it just do it for yourself because life is so so short and you need to spend as much time doing things that make you happy as you can and maybe you'll gain confidence and be able to show people and you never know what will develop you know from just starting a little hobby like that. That's wonderful advice and it's something that from those that have taken the plunge to actually get off their bums and do their artwork, it seems to be the thing that everyone feels being on the other side of beginning. They're just like, you know what, just do it. Even if it is like you rightly say in secret and it's just for you, that is such a wonderful place to start. Mm. Um, How do you keep passionate about your art? Because I know that you're turning it into a business at the moment, but how do you keep that passion within the project? Uh, I think making sure I'm getting outside and getting re-excited about beachcombing and yeah, like finding new things and then it's sparking in my head, oh, that'll go in a frame. And it's kind of just making sure you don't lose connection with the thing that made you excited about it in the first place. And to keep reminding yourself of that moment where you began, because sometimes when you're doing it like, you know, from like 20 years later and you're looking back and you're thinking, oh God, I've got to go for another (laughs) beach going, oh my God. Um, Looking back on that moment and feeling that inquisitive nature, that curious sort of inner child at play, that must be really important, especially on days when it's raining and you're cold and you haven't had your shower and all that (laughs) kind of thing. (laughs) So if you could meet your hundred year old self, What do you think they would say about your life now and what advice would they give you going forward? I think they'd say you're on the right track. (laughs) You're finally on the right track. (laughs) So keep going um, and don't listen to any of the voices inside your head. They don't matter. Um, And yeah, just keep, keep going, keep being creative and nurturing that talent. 
A very wise old Sophie right there, <laughs> I think. So I'm going to ask you a few uh, random questions and then we're going to do your quick fire question round, which I'm so excited about. <laughs> um, so here's the first one of your sort of random questions. What is the closest thing to magic in real life, do you think? I'd have to say poetry. Even just saying the word poetry kind of makes my heart flutter. I think it, poetry is magic, you know? Like you capture something it can be something so simple and that's overlooked you know by people in their everyday life and you you can capture it in this precise beautiful tiny form yeah I love that oh me too and I love looking at other people like you said about um form and space and sort of reading something without like any punctuation or anything like that it's almost as if someone's reached inside your own head and taken your emotion and splattered it on a page for you to sort of look in the mirror about isn't it completely yeah it's amazing when you find it's the same with song lyrics isn't it like when you hear something you're like oh yes like that is what I've been feeling and it just you just feel complete inside and supported by someone else who feels the same. (laughs) (laughs) So what have you read or seen recently that inspires you? Um, To be honest, I think I'd have to say I've spent a lot of time listening to this podcast and every time I'm creating, I have it on. I've spent hours listening to it and everyone else's stories. I think you can learn so much from listening to other people and other creative people. And it keeps me going, to be honest. That's lovely to hear. Thank you for being one of our avid listeners. That makes <laughs> me so happy. What do you value in yourself now from all that you've done with your van life uh, to Coastal Curiosities? And how has that helped you to evolve as a person? I think the little seed of confidence that was always there that I've helped to grow, I value that. It makes me feel like I always have something to fall back on and that whatever I do, I will get through it. So I'm kind of glad that that's built up over time. And yeah, it helps me just every day, really. Yay! (laughs) Finally. (laughs) Yeah, but some people don't learn that until they're like 100. So well done. You (laughs) get my solitary clap, actually. What is your favourite piece that you've created so far and why? It was my first large frame because just having extra space to add all of the extra bits, um, just it ended up being really beautiful and I was so proud of it. And I thought, this is great, but it's expensive, so it's never going to sell. And then it sold really quickly (laughs) and I was like, oh, yeah. That's something I have to ask you about, actually, because being a creative, you kind of, when someone says, oh, is your work for sale? And you say, yeah. And then they go, well, how much is it? Do you find like you're almost sort of self-deprecating? You're like, oh, I don't know. It's a fiver. Is that too much? And, and they're like, no, that's, if anything, too little. Do you have that battle with yourself about the finance of your art? Oh, my God. All the time. I struggle with it so much. And I think I would be selling everything at half the price it is now if it weren't for my mum and Jake battling with me I'm like it's like a a little haggle every time I'm like okay no 80 and they're like no 95 and I'm like no (laughs) and we meet in the middle eventually but yeah it's so hard especially when you enjoy what you're doing because you're like well I'm just it's just Mm. I'd be doing it anyway I'm enjoying it but yeah it's really hard to put a price on it (laughs) what advice would you give people if they don't have a mum or Jake to help them out uh, to make that decision I think um, doing a little bit of kind of market research and seeing how much other people are selling similar things for kind of uh, validates it for you and and you can compare it and think, okay, well, you know, I'm selling like 
handmade print or, you know, something, some handmade clothes, and they're selling it for this, and that's working. So that can kind of encourage you. Um, What do you hope for yourself in the future? I hope I'm happy. (laughs) Um, I, I just, I want to be even more creative than I am currently being. I just want to, yeah, develop it all and make it my whole life. I think that's what I want to do. Dedicate my life to being creative. That's music to my ears because I've always hoped that for you. Like, obviously, I I did know you when you were younger Mm -hmm. and you always meet people in your life, especially if you're coaching or mentoring or anything like that, that you hope will continue their creative spark because it's so original and so beautiful. And you, Sophie, are one of those people. So that makes me happy to know that you're not going to turn around one day and go, I quit. I'm going to become, I don't know, a salesperson. Yeah. <laughs> no offense to salespeople. You're very, very valid. And yeah. I'm sure that you enjoy your jobs, but it's not for everyone, is it? No. <laughs> Probably as beach me isn't. Either. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> so the last one of your random questions before we go into a quick fire question round. Where and when were or slash are you at your most happiest? As a child in the garden. And I think I'm always trying to recreate that feeling. Um so yeah, beach combing was a childhood hobby, gardening was a childhood hobby, and writing poems with a childhood hobby and I'm always trying to get back to that lovely warm childhood feeling of being outside that's a massive credit to your parents as well for giving you that space like what if they well when they do hear this podcast (laughs) what do you think their reaction will be to that Oh, I told mum yesterday and she was like, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> they're just, I hope they realise how, what a brilliant job they've done. Um, yeah, I, I just love them so much and I'm so grateful that they've always supported me, you know, even when I just said, oh, I'm going to go uni next week, probably, you know, like they're just always going, yeah, okay, go for it. Or oh, I'm going to live in a van, mum, okay. You know, and yeah, they've just been great. They've, they're great. Oh, big shout out to your parents. <laughs> They've done a wonderful job. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sophie from Coastal Curiosities, it is time for your quick fire question round. Are you ready? Oh, just, yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? I want to be more open-minded. <laughs> That's a good one. No one said that yet. That's really good. I want to be more open-minded as well. That's it. I'm going to take that on board myself. <laughs> Um, if you were to be reincarnated, what would you want to come back as? A deer. They're my favourite. I went up to Scotland and there's a reindeer sanctuary. Aww. Well, it's like a it's like a wild reindeer herd place. Um, up in Aviemore in the Highlands in Scotland. And basically they're they're sort of like volunteer rangers to this reindeer herd that sort of wander around the top of Aviemore um, and they take people out to sort of like a safe distance or whatever and you can go and just basically just hang out all day with the reindeer just wandering around you're not you know massively close or whatever but um, yeah you just sit there and just oh it's like being with a unicorn that's the only way I can describe <laughs> it I really get your deer thing yeah Definitely. that sounds amazing I want to go <laughs> I actually, I actually found my first deer antler two days ago. It was only small off of a stag, but it was the most magical moment ever. I'm so jealous. Yeah. Oh my God. Don't, don't sell that. Keep that one. Oh, I'm going to. Save that in the box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that might lead on to uh, this next question. What is your most treasured possession? Yeah, I think my little nature things. Um, I'm in the process of bugging Jake to build me a shelf in the van 
um, yeah, where I can just keep <laughs> my favourite things that I found, just anything like that, really. But yeah, my dear antler, for sure. <laughs> Best piece of advice you've ever received? <laughs> Do you know what? Um, it's from you, Kat. You wrote me a letter <gasps> when I left school and there was all this great stuff in it about, oh, be creative and follow your dreams and stuff. And then you wrote this list at the end. And what I remember is look after your teeth. I, I used to be so rubbish at brushing my teeth. And now after reading that, I lie in bed and I'm like, I've got to brush my teeth. Kat told me I have to brush my teeth. And I lie there like with guilt, like, shit, I've got to get up and brush my teeth. And I've got brilliant teeth. So I, I have you to thank for that. You're welcome. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so sorry for traumatising your childhood. I'm giving you like a trigger word. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so thing you love most about your personality? Uh, used to be the thing I hated, but being sensitive because I think it allows me to be creative. And yeah, I'm like a little kid and I need to hold myself and love myself and not worry about it. Good answer. I love it. Um, pet peeve? Oh, being patronised. I feel stupid enough half the time anyway without someone confirming it. <laughs> Solidarity sister. I totally get that. Favourite film? Uh, about time it's beautiful about time I don't think I've ever seen that film what's that about uh, <laughs> about <it's>, time yeah, <laughs> is it? yeah it's about um, it's got Bill Nye in it who I love but it's kind of about this kid in Cornwall he's uh, well he's you know he's a, a guy really not a kid but yeah his dad um, can travel back in time and he gives his son that gift um, and it's about appreciating the day-to-day -day things in life I'm going to watch that. Oh, you'd love it. Straight after this interview. That sounds immense. I love it. And Bill Nye, what a oh, legend. Love him. Oh. Song you absolutely must sing along to. Without Me by Eminem. Book that made a big impression on you. It would have to be Waterlog by Roger Deacon. It's absolutely beautiful and makes me want to go wild swimming. You love it when? Uh, I am close to the kettle and I can have a cup of tea in my favourite mug. <laughs> What is your favourite mug? Why is it your favourite? Oh, it's this really cute handmade mug and I saw it in Lime Regis and it's got an ammonite on it and I was not leaving without the mug. So I treasure it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Place that feels like home. Oh, it's going to have to be the van because wherever I go, I've got my home and I do love that about the van. Epic fail. I used to love scouting for girls and they came and played um, in Talland and I was there with my friend and I walked up to the bassist because I really wanted his hat and as I walked up to him I slipped in the mud and yeah and one of them actually said oh god we don't have to have a photo with you do we? <laughs> I died. You poor woman. Oh, I'm not surprised. I had a similar situation. So I went to see this guy called Jimmy Buffett um, in France in a in the place called Le Cigale, which is a very, very nice place. Sorry to any French people that I've been doing a crap accent. Um, and I am on in awe of this guy. Bearing in mind, this guy is like nearly 80 now. He probably is 80. Um, and I discovered him out in America and just fell in love. Like, talk about lyric writing. He just writes epic lyrics about really random stuff stuff and it got to the it got to the end of the concert and I was like I have to meet him he has oh. to come and sign my hat <laughs> anyway I went up 
and you know when you think what you're going to say to a celebrity and then what actually comes out of your mouth is everybody all I can think of to say is oh my god Jimmy I love you so much and bearing mind I was with my husband at the same time I handed him my hat and he was like oh that that's great I'm, I'm glad I was like I just love you I love you and as a consequence I only have half his signature on my hat because oh, no, <laughs> he was sort of probably so desperate to give it back to me yeah. that, um, uh, and to get away from that crazy van so yeah I have a half signatured Jimmy Buffett hat uh, oh. as a consequence of my epic fail so I, I feel for you sister. I really do um, <laughs> I winged it when I went to uni <laughs> I think we'll just leave that just hanging in the air, oh, yeah. really. Um, th- thing you would never change? Uh, being in love with Jake. Aw, <laughs> shout out Jake, you ledge. Um, thing you wish you could change? Um, being in love with Jake? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the way Jake looks, no. <laughs> uh, bless him. Um, thing I would never change? Uh, writing, just wanting to write. I never want that to leave me. me neither it's such a gift isn't it and I know that we're both journaly people and uh, we keep a journal um, well at least I'm assuming you do because I've seen some of your Instagram posts but it's so cathartic isn't it it's just such a good way of organising your thoughts if nothing else yeah I'm so sensitive I need to get all these emotions out (laughs) (laughs) yes you do darling yes you do and then you need to sell them thank you very much yeah and Um, make money (laughs) greatest fear uh, wasps. <laughs> I'm such a, a happy person in nature, but if a wasp comes near me, no, it's not happening. Last meal you'd have on earth? Oh, pizza, for sure. What topping? Uh, goat's cheese and caramelised red onion. Oh, fancy. I know, really <laughs> fancy, but I have to eat it off crappy gluten-free base, so the toppings have to be good. Fair enough. Um, and finally, what makes you smile every day? Um, ooh, I think the people in my life. I'm surrounded by lovely people. My family and Jake and my friends make me smile. Well done for uh, surviving your quickfire question round. <laughs> Yay! Thank you. Well done. <laughs> I've loved speaking to you again. It's been way, way too long and it makes me absolutely joyful to hear that you're so happy and living such a cool bohemian lifestyle. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming on the show and, and finding the Wi-Fi oh. to actually come on the show. Oh, no. <laughs> Struggles. <laughs> I've got one more question for you, um, just because we are coming out of the lockdown now and we're starting to sort of tentatively come back to, uh, to and I put this in quote marks, normality. Um, what advice would you like to give to the world right now if you could? I think never stop learning and never stop trying new things. Now that we're coming out of lockdown, There's no excuse. Get out, do things, try new things and you'll learn more about yourself and the world. And it's great fun. I concur. Thank you for that. Before you go, can you please read us a piece of your wonderful poetry? Absolutely. It'd be my pleasure. So this one's called The Seaweed Gatherers. We start the morning by lifting armfuls of sugar kelp from the beach where their frills lie splayed across beds of shingle. Left severed and limp by receding waves, 
They now loop around our necks and dribble seawater down our backs as we walk them over the tide line. Their curved stipes slump as we rest them into the pools between the rocks. You pick pieces of leathery fronds from under the straps of my bikini top. And I pluck the dog whelks from our harvest and hit each one plop as they dip below the shallow water of the clear rock pool. Then I watch your tanned hands swiftly slice the seaweed with our foraging knife before it's bundled into buckets, yours heavy and mine light, which are carried home and the weed rinsed and laid out to dry. In the kitchen, you grab us two ciders from the fridge. By the hob, I dip each kelp crisp into the pan's spitting oil. And within a few minutes, you're there to help me as they're picked by our quick fingers, smearing oil and salt across our lips. That was so beautiful. It's so lovely to hear just your fabulous words. And you paint such a vivid picture of your lifestyle uh, just in in what you've just given us. So thank you so much. Um, If people have really enjoyed your interview today, where can they find you on social media? Mostly you'll find me on Instagram. uh, So you can find the business page at Coastal Curiosities GB. Or if you are into the whole van life thing, then you can follow my personal account, uh, which is Sunfleur, which is sun underscore F-L-U-U-R. Thank you so much. And I hope that people do pick up on your accounts because you are a wonderful woman to follow. And it's been such a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for making the time, Sophie. Oh, thanks for having me. I've, I've enjoyed it so much. Yeah, thank you, Kat. Like a few of us artists out there, Sophie found space for her business during the pandemic. With a supportive partner who saw her passion and galvanised her to give it a shot, Sophie has gone from strength to strength with her bespoke collections and as a consequence, become the full-time artist she always felt she could be. She reminds us to give ourselves the opportunity to explore our creative ideas because there really isn't anything to lose when you follow your passion. She says to give yourself the time, even if that time looks like a secret 30 minutes on your lunch break. Sophie tells us that your art doesn't have to be for anyone else but you. But whatever you feel about it, just begin. Take that step. Just 10 or 15 minutes dedication each day could be the beginning of a new chapter of your life. A new chapter in joy, stress relief, wonder and reconnection to a crucial part of yourself. A lot of our guests here on The Brave Moment have equated their art to a freedom of sorts. A freedom from the daily grind or intrusive thoughts. A way to transmute worry and anxiety into something beautiful they can share. Sophie tells us that she is finally embracing her sensitivity and expressing it through her poetry and journaling, finding great catharsis and solace in the process. If you look up the word sensitive in the dictionary, it is defined as someone who has an appreciation for other people's feelings and someone who can quickly detect or respond rapidly to slight changes and influences. It also refers to someone who responds to paranormal phenomena. Personally, By that definition alone, I believe every artist is a sensitive person, someone who is aware and connected to others and their surroundings in an otherworldly way, able to see in 5D where others may only experience a 3D universe. How wonderful for Sophie to find power in the thing that sets her apart. 
Through living in her van, Sophie has discovered the art of decluttering, the art of keepsake and recording memory in a way that doesn't require surplus material, objects or anything that compromises the space for what really matters to her. In her van, she has all she needs, a place for her work, space for love and space to write her thoughts without the distraction of anything else. She has remembered what really matters in a world of noise and consumption and whether or not we want to admit it, that is a brave move in today's society. As I record this, my house is in disarray as my husband and I tried to declutter it. It's surprisingly hard to get rid of, say, the coat that my husband proposed to me in or the bag I took to the States for our honeymoon. But both of us are taking a leaf out of Sophie's book and choosing to keep the memories instead of the objects that we associate with them. Humans are natural foragers and gatherers and consumerism plays into all of our primal instincts. But if, like Sophie, we can see and feel our real treasure underneath the crap we've piled on top of it, then we could all have the opportunity for an even more precious existence full of meaning. In following her path, supported by those around her who see her creativity and joy, Sophie has found herself at a very early age, and as someone who has had the privilege to be part of Sophie's personal journey, I couldn't be more proud to witness that seed of creative confidence blossom, and equally have the honour of watching the student become the master. Sophie, you have always inspired and delighted those around you, And I can't tell you how much you have left your unique impression on my heart also. As Leo Babuta once said, simplicity boils down to two steps. Identify the essential and eliminate the rest. So my friends, take a look around your environment today and ask yourself, what is essential to me? What really matters to me here for my art and for my heart? Then... Take what no longer serves you and share it with friends or donate it to someone who will appreciate it in a way that maybe you don't have the room for anymore. And with what's left, turn it into your sacred space and fill it with your artistic heart. Oh, and remember to brush your teeth. Next week on the show, we speak to ballet dancer Amy Groves about her extraordinarily brave journey with mental health, dance and becoming one of the All England National Finalists. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the show. If you have a spare moment now, please like, subscribe and tell me your thoughts in a review on Apple Podcasts, which will really help other people like yourself to find the show. Of course, you can also share the show with your friends by following us at the Brave Moment Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, or on Twitter at Moment Brave, or just follow the link tree on all of our social media platforms. It's been so wonderful to have you all here with me again. Please get in touch with your own stories, and remember, your brave moment starts now. Mm-hmm.